Miller and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Good morning and welcome in. Miller and Condon on the air with you here on a Tuesday as we take talk the world of sports. Taking you up until 1 o'clock this afternoon here on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Running solo today, Ken Miller on the road, though he's going to join us here momentarily to kick things off, get his thoughts on the national championship game, and a quick look forward to a monster matchup tonight inside our state borders up in Ames as Iowa State welcomes in Houston. Ken Miller to kick things off on the BMW of Des Moines guest list. 1125, we'll talk about maybe one of the most interesting storylines in football in the NFL in a long time. What are the Chicago Bears going to do at the quarterback spot holding the number one pick they got in a year ago trade with Carolina? Of course, Justin Fields saw some positives, also some negatives. What do they do? We'll talk about that and a whole lot more coming up at 1125 with Jeff Hughes from the Bears blog. 1145, our old friend Bama Bob will put a cap on the national championship game. Michigan a winner over Washington. We'll do that to end our number one. Our number two, a lot of basketball talk as we'll kick things off with Adam Emenecker talking MVC basketball with Emenecker. You and I and Drake both with losses over the weekend and a big one coming up for the Bulldogs this week as the top team in the MVC, Indiana State, comes into town. And then 1225, it'll be the voice of the Iowa State Cyclones. John Walters will drop in as we will preview Iowa State in Houston. But he is making his way back to Iowa. He's got Jet on one side, Cindy on the other. He is my co-host, Ken Miller. What's up? Traffic. (laughs) All right, so you get on the road this morning. You're leaving yep. L.A. after your uh, couple well, weeks sojourn out there. Port Wine to me and making my way through L.A. So Port Wine to me. So it's Ventura, Oxnard, Port Wine to me, then Malibu, which we came through and I'd never been through it before. And oh my God, how the other half live! <laughs> um, it's just breathtaking. It truly is. Uh, and now we are in rush hour traffic. Still, I'm not sure it ever ends. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are, I mean, right out my left, right, my, my window is downtown Los Angeles. Um, but my good God, Trent, this is five lanes. Um, and it's just bumper to bumper for miles and miles and miles. It's beautiful here. The sun is shining, the palm trees, the ocean. I don't know how people do it. <laughs> I truly don't. I, honest to God, commuting to and from work every day. Maybe you get used to it. I don't know how you possibly could. I really don't. So you have your trip out there. There was talks of maybe moving out there in a full-time role that uh, you didn't want to leave to Iowa. We know that. But a couple weeks. So you did it for the first time. Is it something you're happy with, you're looking to continue, or even this first time out there making you maybe second-guess yourself a little bit? Um, the latter, but it's up to the boss. Uh-huh. Yep, yep, I got you. <laughs> Who's in the back seat? Um, I think you know what? I don't. I don't know if we'll. I'm sure we'll do it again. I don't think we'll do it over Christmas. This was, um, this was different. Uh, her oldest, Derek's been in California for twenty. He's forty. Uh, twenty years. Um, fifteen, twenty years, and uh, graduated from high school from Ankeny and went west, young man, um, and started. He worked for DreamWorks. And uh, now he actually, um, he's a big role in, uh, in the show Bob's Burgers. I've oh, never yeah. watched it, but yeah. he keeps winning awards. 
And when the show's over, the credits roll, and there's his name, which wow. is unbelievable to us. Um, so um, we he wanted to host because we've always hosted Christmas, right? Mm-hmm. And one of these years, Mom, we want you to come out. And so we did. This was the year. We made it. We checked that box. But I think we'd probably go in after the Super Bowl for two or three weeks. Mm-hmm. But I think that's plenty for us. I do. Um, I don't know. Maybe I shouldn't speak for Cindy, but it's plenty for me. Um, <laughs> and I'm looking, even, even though it's, we're coming home to a blizzard, I love Iowa. I've told you that a million yeah. times. I do. I really do. So I'm a little bit surprised you're coming back. Your uh, first stop on your way back is going to be Phoenix. That's where you're working to get to here today. No yep. stop off in Vegas? Cindy didn't want to? Uh, <laughs> either there or back. At least one of them I anticipated there would be a Vegas stop in there. Yeah, you know what? If it would have been in the summer, we can go through the mountains, but we've got to go south. Yeah. You know, just to avoid the snow in Colorado. And if you can, I mean, if you get stuck in there, you're, you could be stuck for days. Right. I mean, there's worse places to be. I get it. Mm-hmm. But um, now we're looking forward to getting home. So we we went to Southern Roost. So Phoenix today, Albuquerque tomorrow, uh, Edmond, Oklahoma um, on Thursday night, and then into, uh, into Ankeny on Friday. A well, lot of travel, but... Can't wait to be home. There might be a little more snow waiting for you uh, when you get back, and uh, maybe a potential storm waiting as you're driving oh, your way back in. Yeah, yeah. Well, we uh, we pushed it off as much as possible this year with winter, but it is definitely yep. here right now. And uh, my back would tell you the same thing after shoveling out this morning and getting out of the driveway. Well, there was a little sports to talk about. It was just the national championship game last night, and obviously that's what we want to talk to most here today. Uh, takeaways from the game. You know, one of the big things for me, as we were sitting there early on, it looked like uh, this thing might look like Alabama-Notre Dame. You know, that national championship game from yeah. a decade ago. I had those feelings yeah. early in the football game, but Michigan let them hang around a little bit. The late score, missed opportunities for Washington. Maybe some ticky-tack calls that went against them, but overall, this is going to be the story of Michigan and how something that people didn't believe could happen. Harbaugh could get them good, but not at this yep. level. 15-0 and national champions and had to go through the SEC to get there and the Alabama, the champion of the SEC. What a story. What a year. And though there's going to be always conversations about this team, when they're on the field, boy, they were a great champion. No, they were, Grant. There's no doubt about it. Um, we thought that Corm was going to have a big day. And him and his two um, back mates had, had phenomenal days yesterday. Um and, and Penix was not good. Nope. Penix did not have a good game yesterday. I don't, I don't think J.J. McCarthy, I thought J.J. McCarthy's best play was his scramble, yes. of all things, mm-hmm. uh, to extend uh, to extend a drive. But um, it was the defense of Michigan that was just uh, stifling. The running game of Michigan was terrific. One of my biggest takeaways of the game was actually John Harbaugh showing up um, to, to and, and, and finding Jim on the sideline, mm-hmm. which I thought was really cool. I mean, you don't often see that, right? A head coach interrupted right in the middle of the game, um, and uh, there, there comes his brother. So that was pretty cool. But, look, it wasn't the, the game to, that we wanted. Everybody wants an edge-of-your-seat, last-drive type of situation. We didn't get that. Um, but at the end of the first half, uh, with, with uh, Washington getting ready to get the ball to start the second half, of course, the first play of the second half is, uh, is an interception. And, um, you know, kind of figured at that point if there was going to be any opportunity uh, for Washington to, uh, to win this football game, they needed to score 
uh, and do something early in the uh, with their first possession. They weren't able to do that. So um, hats off to Michigan with the Wolverines as the champions, and Washington moves on to the Big Ten. Another direction I want to go with you is uh, this this team being built. A lot of these guys were freshmen during that. 2020 season, very tumultuous, obviously for everybody, but college football included, and certainly the Michigan program. They stunk. They were two and four, and they quit. There is nobody out there, even the most ardent Maze and Blue fan, that is going to make me stop my belief that they didn't want to get blown out by Iowa. They did not want to get blown out by Ohio State. They didn't show up. There was Jim Harbaugh had his contract cut in half, but instead of pouting, Instead of taking another job, and he absolutely could have, he did the work. He's weird. He's goofy. He is a different cat, but that guy can coach football. And those guys stuck it out. They didn't move. They didn't leave. They wanted to play, and they ultimately wanted to win a national championship. This couldn't have happened just three years ago, before NIL, because how many of those guys would have went off to the NFL this past season? But NIL made it an opportunity for them to come back one more year and probably put six figures in the bank account. That helps out, too. But there was six, eight, ten guys that probably be playing this last season in the NFL. This could not have happened without, A, the extra COVID year for many of them, also NIL opportunities. This is a different blueprint. This is different than anything we've seen before. And I wonder, as we get ready to embark on a new journey in college football, if this is a different map for teams to build their team, and well, a team we're seeing right now with Iowa, what they're doing defensively, it doesn't have to just be what it was in the past. Get a bunch of five stars like Georgia and Alabama. That's how you win a national championship. You can do it a different way. No, and you can pay them to stick around for next Mm -hmm. year and not force that decision, right? Which, you know, a lot of times doesn't work out. I mean, there's guys skipping bowl games that skipped this last bowl season, and they're going to be um, a, a free agent. They're not going to hear their name right. called in the mm-hmm. seven rounds of the NFL draft. But now that you can stick around, you can get some uh, NIL money for your decision to play. They're older teams. Uh, you stay till your senior season a lot of times. So I, I think it's great. I do. Look, NIL is the great unknown. It's changed the way college athlete athletics works. But I think it's for the better. I really do. I mean, these guys deserve a piece of the pie. You heard Harbaugh preaching about it uh, during media days leading up to the national championship game. He thinks there should be more for the players. Who doesn't want to play for a coach who's trying to get you more money, uh, which was a great selling point, um, a great public relations move on his part. But um, it's changed, Trent. I have no idea You know what the end game is. Do they eventually bring this in-house? Do you become employees of the school that you attend and play for? Who knows? Uh, but for the, uh, the here and now, uh, we saw the results, at least one of them last night. These guys were allowed to stay. And let's be honest, Washington had some guys, too, that yep. came back uh, and, and took their NIL money. The, the Hawkeye defense is a perfect example. Yep. How are they going to find playing time for everybody in that secondary? Yeah. It's just remarkable. Nobody wants to leave Phil Parker. Why would you? You learn a lot, and these guys still have plenty to prove. We're not talking about anybody that turned down first, second, even third-round draft pick more than likely. These are guys, though, that believe with another season, maybe their draft can get better, and it's just not like the past. I mean, yeah, you get a little stipend, you get a little walking-around money, but we're talking about each semester tens of thousands of dollars. Every scholarship athlete now at the University of Iowa is getting a pretty pretty good-sized check, certainly more than I ever made collegiately that is for sure actually working a real job while i was in college i mean these guys are making decent money and obviously scholarship 
Got that side of things. Food is paid for. They're living a pretty good life. And coming back for that season, put a little bit in the bank, and off you go from whatever happens afterwards. It makes a whole lot of sense. It's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. Mentioned the NIL part of it. One other thing I had for you in the game is, as we look back at Michigan, Michigan didn't play great in either of these games. In fact, over the last three games, going back to the Iowa game, they struggled offensively in that game. Against Alabama, the miscues early in the football game, special teams blunders. They didn't play well in that one. In this one, they let Washington hang around until the fourth quarter. They win a national championship. They go 15-0, and and they didn't play their best football over the last month of the season. No, I think that's fair, Trent. I mean, give Iowa's defense a lot of credit. Give out Alabama's got some players. Mm-hmm. But Washington was, they if it would have should, I mean, that holding call, where they finally yeah. found Dunze on the sideline. That was huge when that was marched back. Who knows? I mean, who knows? They still would have had to score again, a stop score again. Um, I mean, we don't know how it would have turned out. But, uh, no, I think that uh, I think uh, Harbaugh would say they didn't play their best football. Look, I'm not sold on J.J. McCarthy. I'm not. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's unfortunate because there's a lot of quarterback Navy teams, including the one that I root for in the early teens. I mean, Minnesota goes ahead of them at 11, then the Broncos, then the Raiders, and all three of those teams I think are going to be looking at QB. I don't think Penix helped himself at all last night, uh, but J.J. McCarthy's probably a first-round pick, and I'm just fretting. Uh, look, I was wrong on Justin Herbert, completely wrong. I, I'm not the best evaluator, let's be honest. Jay Cutler? Um, Jay, well, I love Cutler. I, I know you his did. Arm, but it's between his, it was between his ears. Um, but he had a million-dollar arm, didn't he? My God, you could hear the football cut <laughs> oh, through the geez. air when he chucked it. Uh, but, yeah, he's another one. I thought he was a top-ten quarterback in the league on any day of the week. But, anyways, uh, so we'll see. But uh, Michigan did not play their best football. They're the um, national championships. That's six and four, I think, overall, uh, bowl-wise. But they got the one that mattered most. So uh, with that, we get ready for another season. We'll have a, a whole lot of preview, a lot going on. Obviously, the portal is uh, going to be opened up for these Michigan and Washington players for five days after the completion of that one. And we'll be settled, but there's still another window after spring practice. There's going to be a whole lot yep. more movement. The odds are already out there. Georgia, the betting favorite. And, of course, I fired at the Bulldogs. Got them at 5-1 to one right when they were released last night <laughs> and got ahead of the curve as I see it's down to a plus 350 now in some spots for the Bulldogs going into next season but georgia alabama ohio state texas michigan old miss oregon lsu well i just mentioned all teams that are going to be residing in new conferences starting next year that's unbelievable when you think about it right mm-hmm. it, it, it truly is uh look i'm i'm uh, keeping my powder dry uh until they hang the nfl numbers and then i'll be first in line to bet the chargers <laughs> oh no oh no oh no jim harbaugh he's gonna be their coach i wonder i mean i'm hearing i'm hearing some raiders talk out there I, I i'm convinced he's going to the afc west um herbert needs a quarterback coach he needs a, mm-hmm. uh, an offensive mind in the worst way because i think he's a really good qb uh and unfortunately he's had really bad coaching to this point in his career so we'll see we'll see what harbaugh does but um that's going to be fascinating and you know right in our own backyard with the team that you root for mm-hmm. the chicago bears own the draft and the chatter leading up to whatever decision they make uh, whether they keep it or whether they trade it and the bounty they get for it, I think we're in a really good spot draft-wise. So, yep, I'm going to miss college football like crazy, but we turn the page and start uh, scratching off the days until we 
get to media days in early July. A wink and a nod to the Bears and Jim Harbaugh reuniting where he played for many years. I hope yep. we'll talk about that a little bit more coming up here in just a few minutes with Jeff Hughes. We'll get you out on this. Ken on the road making his way back to Iowa. Iowa State, they have a huge matchup. It is going to be mm. difficult for people here to get their way up to Ames, but I know a lot of people are going to try to make it a go, figure out, all right, we got who's who, which buddy can I borrow their truck and get up there, whatever it is. If you got tickets for this one tonight, Houston, elite defensively. Calvin Sampson's teams are always so good on that end of the floor. Yep. Haven't played the most daunting schedule. This is going to be, I think, the most difficult environment certainly they've seen maybe in a long, long time with that program playing in the American Athletic Conference before this season. Uh, thoughts? Iowa State, you give them a shot tonight. Yeah, because it's at home, Trent, and uh, this is a hardy fan base. I'm convinced that they will uh, crawl over broken glass if they have to get to the Hilton Coliseum. I do. I do. Um, TJ is um, he's saying the right things. I mean, it's you have to look after your home floor in the Big 12. He's 100% right. Hilton Magic is Hilton Magic. Uh, hope it shows its head here tonight. Um, but you're right. Uh, the, this Houston team is going to lock you down. Gilbert needs to shoot more than five shots. Mm-hmm. I believe. I truly believe that. I'm not saying he's the you know the key to the success this year, but he can he can fill it up when he gets that opportunity. And uh, we'll see where it goes. But um, boy, it, it almost feels like when you're at home. You have to win those home games. You can let very few of them get away uh, if you're going to have, you know, a top five type of season in America's toughest conference, the Big 12. Four and a half is where it opened last night. It is down to two and a half. A little, is it? Interesting. A little reverse line movement as uh, 86% oh. of the money right now is on Houston, yet it goes from four and a half to two and a half. That is something that. Not all the time, but many times points to the way that Iowa State uh, would be the right side in this one. I'll have my pick on that game coming up later in the program. Ken, safe travels. Keep it between the dashes, and we will talk to you again tomorrow morning uh, from Arizona. All right, brother. Have a good day. Thank you. you. That's Ken Miller checking in from the road. He's making his way back, and he'll be back in studio with us starting next Monday. We'll hear from Ken each and every day, though, on his sojourn back. Coming up next, we talk Bears. Mention, is Jim Harbaugh a real possibility to make his way back to Chicago? Will they make a move of Eberflus? What is happening there? And, of course, holding the cards to the number one pick. That's right. The Bears with the number one pick because they got it from Carolina a year ago. They sit with two top ten draft picks. What is going to happen? We'll talk to Jeff Hughes coming up about that. But right now, it is time for the $1,000 swoosh. Head to KXNO.com right now and enter the nationwide keyword in this nationwide contest. For this hour, the code is BONUS. BONUS, your keyword for the 11 o'clock hour. Your chance to win $1,000. Once again, that's BONUS at KXNO.com. Standard data and message rate supply. Stay tuned for your next chance to win one hour from now. It is BONUS. KXNO.com. Talking Bears as we continue. This is Miller and Condon on 106.3. Rick bets off. Miller and Condon, 106.3 KXNO. I'm Trent Condon, running solo today, but a slew of great guests as we got so many things to talk about. Day after the national championship game, more on that coming up here in 
about 20 minutes with Bama Bob. But right now, we get back into the NFL. He is Jeff Hughes from DeBear's blog, and he joins us here on a Tuesday. Jeff, as always, great catching up with you. And one of the most interesting storylines, off-seasons in the NFL in recent memory, with what the Bears have, the draft capital, the number one pick, another top 10 pick, a quarterback decision to make, a coaching decision to make. I, I know it's a team that you and I root for, but... I followed the NFL as a whole for what we do here on our radio program, obviously. I can't remember anything that has quite as much intrigue as what the Bears are getting ready to go through this offseason. No, I, I agree with you. And I, I would say I don't remember a team that is at such a crossroads as this one is right now. The general manager has done a good job. He has built a formidable roster uh, for himself. Does he have the right coach? Does he have the right quarterback? I think in another year where they just had the ninth pick, we might not be saying replace Justin Fields. I think in another year where Jim Harbaugh wasn't standing out there desperate to get into the NFL, we might not be considering replacing a head coach who had a very solid second half of the season. But the opportunities have now presented themselves. The Bears have the first pick. And if they evaluate these quarterbacks and view one of them as a potential franchise guy, it's hard for me to imagine that they would pass that up. But are they going to give that franchise guy to a head coach who has shown, yes, he can build he can build up his defensive talent, but he's shown very little on the other side of the ball. The offensive coordinator has been under fire all year. It, it is such a series of difficult questions this team has to answer, and I do not envy them having to answer them. It is, and this could certainly blow up. And well, you and I following this team for four plus decades, uh, we I think both anticipate probably they'll do the wrong thing. Whatever the right decision is, I just have the feeling they'll make the wrong one. And I don't know what the right decision is, and that's what makes this difficult. Look, we're supposed to have takes, right? We're supposed to have opinion, and yeah. and I always have opinions on things. This is one I, I was uh, talking to a Bears fan last week, and. and I just am so conflicted because I normally just have my mind made up. You do this, and there is so much ambiguity here. There, there's just so many different ways. The gray area is immense in this one. You keep fields around. Yes, it makes sense. I think you've seen enough that at minimum he can become a top-half-level quarterback, maybe even get into that top 10, top 12 range year after year. But the injuries have piled up. There has maybe not been as much improvement that you'd hope to see as a passer from him. The number one pick, I love Caleb Williams, but I know there's going to be plenty of people that are going to find things that knock against him. It's just, it's on and on. The gray area is also a part of this. It's kind of driving me nuts. Here's what you have to think about when you think about the decisions of both coach and quarterback. You are not keeping the coach or the quarterback based purely on production. Neither has done enough in their current role to warrant stability. However, both have done enough where you could rationalize keeping them both based on potential and progress. Right? We've seen enough from each to think that they have not reached their ceilings in those roles. That's a risk because if Justin Fields has reached his ceiling in, as a quarterback, then your ceiling as a franchise with him is going to be what? A wild card team. Mm-hmm. Maybe a division winner that goes out early. If the coach has reached his ceiling, it's the same story. So they have opportunities here to replace both of these of these men rather easily. They have to make a decision whether they want to disrupt what they clearly saw the second half of this year, which was a team that made tremendous progress. 
throw out the Packers game, right? Everyone likes to overrate these Packers games. They, they didn't play well. They lost by eight points, right, on the road. They're never favored in these Packers games because they never have the better quarterback in these Packers games. But I'll tell you, if, if what I heard from Ryan Poles on Sunday, it just would be surprising for a man to be that effusively praising his coach on Sunday and then turn around a couple days later and fire him. It just strikes me as that's not going to be the case. And if you keep loose, are you going to enlist the number one pick in the draft, Caleb Williams, to a floose program? Is that Luke Getzey? Maybe. Is that Frank Reich coming in as your assistant head coach? That didn't go particularly well down in Carolina this year. Yeah. So there are so many tentacles to these decisions. But ultimately, we all want to see the Bears have a coach and a quarterback on the same timeline. So you cannot draft a quarterback here in Caleb Williams and then fire the coach because they win five games next year. That's not how it, that's just a recipe to, to repeat the mistakes of the past. If you draft a quarterback number one, you have to empower the coaching staff and, and understand that rookie quarterbacks come with growing pains. TJ Stroud is an outlier, right? It mm-hmm. usually takes them two to three years to really emerge in the game. So there's these, the decisions are so difficult and they're made more difficult because the roster is getting really good around these spots. The offensive line is better. The defensive line is better. The secondary play is great. The linebackers were good. DJ Moore was a superstar. We're starting to see now the Ryan Poles project come into being, but he's got to make decisions at the two most important parts of that project. And we're just sitting here doom-scrolling Twitter, waiting to find out what he decides. (laughs) You mentioned Harbaugh. And he's been the apple of many people's eye in Chicago for a long time. Obviously playing there, kind of taking over the spot after you went through Jim McMahon and Mike Tomczak. It was Harbaugh for a number of years, and he was solid. I mean, there was limitations to him as a quarterback. We're not talking about elite guy. Went on to Indianapolis, did great things there. Captain comeback late in his career. He's a guy that bounced around, but a lot of people look at him, look at the personality, and think it could work. He's a football guy. This is an organization that... Hasn't had a ton of football guys that have been out there. You know, those those old-school kind of football guys, there's that part of it. He's been a winner every single play. So what's happening right now? If they don't get Harbaugh, I believe it doesn't make sense to get rid of Eberflus because I think he has shown enough in the improvement this team made, and certainly defensively this season. Is this back-channeling? Is this more of a Kevin Warren thing? Is this Ryan Pulse? Who and the agent and Harbaugh and all of his people? I mean, how is the back-channeling happening right now? Well, let me make two comments. Number one is the Titans just this second fired Mike Rabel. Oh. So, so Mike Rabel is, is another name where if you can fire Eberflus for Rabel, mm. I'm all in on mm-hmm. that as well. Yep. Um, but let me, say, let me say this. With Jim Harbaugh's people, it's not back channels. It's, it's the open waters. They are out. They have leaked stuff to me in years past, and I am, a, I am low on the totem pole of Bears media. They, Jim Harbaugh has been telling the NFL for three years that he wants out. However, we now have proof of it because he's got a $120 million deal on his desk that he refuses to sign because there's a clause in it that says he can't flirt with the NFL this year. How does this happen? They've got to get a confirmation from him in some way that he will choose them over the Chargers, over the Raiders. Now, you're not going to get rid of Ryan Poles. He's done too damn good a job to even consider that. Can they work together? Do they have any kind of relationship moving forward? What Jim Harbaugh provides you, however, 
is you now have a person in place where you no longer question the minutiae of the decision-making. You just trust that this guy who has built winning programs every single place he has gone is going to put the people in place that he needs to win football games. And you know, based on his history, he is always going to win football games. Jim Harbaugh stabilizes your franchise. Now, he's not going to stay 15 years. He's not Tom. Mm-hmm. He's going to stay six to eight years before he wears out his welcome with everybody. Yep. But in those, but in those six to eight years, you're going to win 65 or 70 games. I mean, that's what, that's what he does. So you, you're no longer going to question the offensive line draft picks or what he does. As a matter of fact, you hire Jim Harbaugh, you get out of the way of the quarterback decision as a fan or as a media member. You say, let him pick his guy. So all of these questions become far less complicated when you put an alpha football guy at the top of the pyramid for an organization, and that's what Harbaugh is. I would also argue, because I'm a huge Mike Vrabel fan, if Bill Belichick ends up staying in New England and Vrabel doesn't have that option, that is a phone call that the Bears have to make. Because Mike Vrabel would, again, put a football guy on your sideline every Sunday. I think he's a far better coach than Eberflus has shown. Mm -hmm. But would they make that kind of a move? Like, again, I, I find it a little surprising here to be, to be talking about Matt Eberflus in the way we are. I mean, week four or five, I would have said he was gone. We all thought it was a Tressman season. What you hear from the players, what you hear from the other guys on that staff is that he is well-liked in that locker room. They play hard for him. They won a lot of games down the stretch. I think, though, if you move on from him, it's got to be for the tangible, sure thing. And for me right now, that was Harbaugh, but the Vrabel Vrabel wrinkle is now something to to consider. Final thing for you, if they move on from Justin Fields and decide they're going to go with a young quarterback and likely Caleb Williams will be the guy, I remember reading a report, I think it was a week or two ago, that said they'd get a second or third rounder for Justin Fields. That seemed light for a starting quarterback in this league, a guy that at minimum is competent. That didn't seem like enough to me on the surface. Now, I didn't dig in a whole lot deeper and even remember where that report came from, but that didn't seem like enough to me. What do you think? What are the Bears? What kind of return on its own can they get for Justin Fields? Let me ask you a counter question to this, Trent, because Mm -hmm. I I made this point on a spaces thing I did on Sunday. If they were going to trade Justin Fields, Why'd you play him this past week? Why not just let that Falcons tape Uh be the tape that you end his Bears career on? Make up some injury. He can't play, whatever it is. But what could they get for him? I think he is such a specific talent Uh that you need to find a team that wants to utilize what he does. He's not going to play so far as we've seen. He's not going to be a quick-release get the ball to the open guy, move the chains quarterback. He's not Brock Purdy, but he's got electric abilities. He's got a great deep arm, and he can run through anybody. But you see, like a Packers game this week, when they bottle him up, when they don't let him get outside and use his legs, he is incredibly limited so far as a pocket passer. So I don't think there are 20 teams that would have interest. But will there be a team willing to give you a second or a third? I think so. But I don't think that's light. I, I think that's about what you're what you're looking at. And I would not be surprised if there's a team out there that sees him as a top shelf backup quarterback. That sees him as we've got a say we've got a guy who's a little bit injury prone at the top. Like he would be a perfect backup for Jalen Hurts for a year. Yeah. I mean that that's kind of the scenario I could see him going into. 
But I'm not sure there's an organization out there that's going to say, we're going to, we're going to give up a top pick to make Justin Fields our starting quarterback because I think you have to overhaul everything you do offensively if you want to maximize it because he is limited at playing the position the way we think the position needs to be played. Jeff, normally in the offseason, we talk to you about once a month, kind of catch up on everything. I have a feeling uh, we're going to be uh, dialing you a little bit more here leading up to the April NFL draft. There is just so much intrigue and so much going on with this team. Appreciate your time as always, Jeff Hughes. Thanks, Jeff. Talk to you soon. Jeff Hughes joining us from Dub Bears blog. Great work over there. Always interesting. And Jeff, I love the way that he talks about things, puts things together, and, and really makes you think about what they're going to do. We continue here on Miller and Condon. Back to college football. Bama Bob breaks it down for one final time. A recap of what we saw last night in the national championship game as we take you up until 1 o'clock. Miller and Condon continues on 106.3. 1-800-BETS-OFF. That music means one thing, at least in my ears. Time to talk to Bama. Bama Bob joins us throughout the course of the college football season. And he joins us one final time for the 2023-24 year. Here on a Tuesday, as he always does, goodbye college football. But oh, there's always things to talk about, and we'll be doing that. <laughs> Bama, Michigan is your national champion, 15-0. and They did it by going through the SEC champion Alabama. They beat undefeated Washington one thing I talked about with Ken a little bit earlier, they didn't play great football over the last month. Didn't play perfect football, certainly, in these final two games and even going back to the Big Ten Championship. But even not playing their best football, they still found a way to win this one. They're national champions. I didn't think Harbaugh was going to get them to this level, yet here they are, national champs. Yeah, I think they really caught a break when Florida State got left out. <laughs> um, I mean, no. Look, they were, they were the best team. I think... Um, I don't think there was any, you know, question about that over the over the course of the two games. Um, you know, they they took down the, you know, I know Georgia is, is the dominant team right now in, in college football, but over the last decade, it's certainly been Alabama. So they slay that dragon in overtime, and then last night, I mean, they played well early and well late. I mean, kind of in the middle of the game, it was, you know, Washington kind of held their own, but. Uh, you know, Michael Penix picked the worst time to play his worst game. Um, and I know Michigan had a lot to do with it, and I give him credit for it. Um, you know, J.J. McCarthy, you know, I, I think he, I hate the term, but I think he just kind of managed the game. He didn't make the big mistake. Uh, he made a couple of, of, you know, nice throws where he needed to. Certainly helps when you hand the ball off and nobody gets touched for 40 yards. Yeah. I mean, that's always nice. Um, I thought the scramble uh, on third and eight, you know, kind of when they're pinned back on their own goal line, they didn't score, but they certainly flipped field position. I think that was a big one because that was still a one score game at the time. So he did enough and they did enough. And, you know, in the end, they just kind of ran away with it. And, um, again, you know, Penix didn't play well, but you got to give Michigan credit for that. And I just, I'm with you. I mean, for, for how many years we were on this show and everywhere else, you know, we just didn't trust Harbaugh until he did it. And then he gets into the playoff a couple times and they lose. And, uh, TCU last year was kind of the big one. You thought, well, I mean, he's never going to get there, but they all came back. They all bought in, and and here they go. And I guess we'll see if he goes with them. You know, uh, you know, out the door with a lot of these seniors because there's a lot of uh, NFL jobs that are pretty attractive. And you know, San Diego has a quarterback, and the Titans just hired Mike Vrabel. So, uh, you know, we'll we'll see if he wants an NFL job. I think he'll certainly get one. Um, but you know, I don't know where Michigan is going forward on this, but. 
uh, you know, for one year, this is, you know, they're going to, you know, they, they rule the roost and, you know, congratulations to them. You know, one thing, Bama, we've talked about in off seasons, leading into seasons, and some of my frustration of college football, and, and, and I joked, it was flippantly, but the Nick Saban had ruined college football because what he did during this 15-year <laughs> yeah. run is you had to have this elite level of talent. Clemson was able to do it for a couple of years. We saw Georgia lately, but it made the group of teams that could actually win a national championship so small. I mean, coming into a year, it was four or five, maybe six teams, and that was it that could win a national championship. What we saw with Washington this year, what we've seen from Michigan, the blueprint was different. There, A lot of these guys are a lot of three stars. There's three stars that stuck around for an extra season. With NIL, you can give them the money to stick around. Yeah. Hey, you want to go be a six-rounder and probably not make a roster? Or do you want to stick around for another year, make six figures, You know, make one more go at it? It's going to change the blueprint here. I think it's better for college football. I think it opens up the number of teams that obviously can win a national championship. Do you believe that that's true? That the way that I'm seeing this, this is better for college football because it's not just about being able to recruit all five stars and winning that way. Yeah, I think so. Um, I think you're right. I, I also think that you know the transfer portal is just a game changer. I mean, look mm-hmm. at and Washington is the perfect example. I mean, Michael, they're nowhere near this game, if not for Michael Penix Jr., the way he played last year and certainly this year leading up to last night into that game. But you're right. I think the 12-team playoff, I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's kind of a, it's kind of a, you know, an interesting dynamic because it's going to be easier now to get into the tournament, you know, 12 versus four. If you win your conference, you're in. And, you know, there's going to be what? I guess eight at large teams. I don't know how the Pac-12 is going to work out. I mean, I guess they're going to finalize all that, but there's going to be 12. There's not going to be another Florida State situation. You know, even if the ACC is the worst conference, if you win it, you're going to be in. Okay, you're going to have a group of five team, and then you know, however many are at largest. So you're going to have more opportunity to get in, but it's going to be harder to win because everybody's got to win at least three now instead of two. And if you're a five through twelve, you got to win four games to be a national champion, and that is tough. And I saw something the other day. I don't know if it was on Twitter or the internet or wherever, but you know the the first round obviously will be at, at the uh, the campus sites. You know for the first uh, you know the first the bottom eight teams, I guess if you will. And then after that, it goes into the bowl rotation, and it's the big bowls. And I still come back to, I mean, you're asking a lot of, I mean, a lot from fans to have to travel to three bowl games. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you kind of look at it. They could have to go from, you know, Miami, you know, for a quarterfinal to L.A., for a semifinal, and then to Dow. I mean, that is a lot. That is really asking a lot. And I know that these, you know, a lot of fan bases are rich and everything like that, and you got <laughs> blue bloods, and they'll, they won't have trouble selling tickets or getting TV ratings, but. I agree with you. I think that the way to win, the path to win now is more open to more teams than it was just, you know, with Nick Saban kind of dominating recruiting, like you said, for a decade. And uh, NIL has really changed that. And for all the things that it's kind of ruined from the game, you know, and this, to me, the biggest thing that's ruining the the game is the whole realignment thing. That, that just makes no sense. And I just, I don't like that, but we're just really getting away from tradition and everything else that way. But, um, it does open it up to more. It gives more a path. Uh, you know, you don't need, uh, you know, I'll say you don't need a great coach. You do need a good coach. You do need a lot of talent. But I think the talent now you can have a rich booster, okay, <laughs> and you can start you can start recruiting a few guys. But um, 
it, it's, I think it's going to be good ultimately, and I, I think it is better. Dynasties are good to a point, but there was so much Alabama fatigue over the, and, and has been for well over a decade. And, and not only Alabama, but SEC fatigue. I think mm-hmm. it was good for the sport last night, even though the game wasn't great, to see, a, you know, I guess what next year will be two Big Ten teams, uh, which is stupid. Uh, you know, but to see new blood in that game and in the playoff, I think was good this year. We've seen vacated national championships. We've seen banners taken <laughs> down. Michigan's dealt with that in the past with basketball and uh, some different times that they have gone through. Regardless of how this plays out, though, is that going to be outside of you know going at somebody on social media, a Michigan fan or a buddy that you might happen to know that's a Michigan fan? I mean, is that? really going to be a big memory of this season. Yeah, it was weird that Harbaugh was suspended six games, but does it ultimately, especially when we get a little bit more, get this season in the rearview mirror, is it going to be a big part of your memory of this year? Not really. I mean, you know, not for me. It will be for a lot of, you know, Ohio State fans. Listen, I mean, outside of Alabama, Michigan might be the most hated program in the country. I mean, I just just not a lot of people like him. I mean, and I think it starts with Harbaugh. You either like him or you don't. Most people don't, and they 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 don't with a passion. Okay, I think he's getting more respect, but this is it's always going to be a cloud, and it's not it's not the whole the beginning suspension, you know, with the pizzas and all that kind of. That was that's just the NCAA being idiots. Okay, it's the Connor Stallions thing, and that that is going to hang over as a cloud, and if more comes out. You know, if, if more is found out, and just because the story is not in the headlines doesn't mean people aren't digging in for it, okay? And, you know, the NCAA is going to do – I think they're going to do all they can to try to put a little more stink on this. I just think they are they are losing power. They know it. Um, that whole thing to suspend him for the first three games for during – and I don't know exactly what it was, but I'm paraphrasing him. But it didn't seem major to me. And basically a few pizzas or whatever, you know, during COVID. Okay, come on. Really? Are we, you know, are you that irrelevant that you're going this far to try to make yourself relevant? But the Stallions thing will be a cloud. There's no question. But I think on the field, which is really what most fans care about, um, it's it's not going to have anything to do with. It. They were the best team. It's not like they were, you know, the old days where uh, you know the Reggie Bush thing. You know, mm-hmm. where, well, you're paying to recruiting. Well, now you can pay to recruit, yeah. just like everybody else can. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's the. You know, however you did it, you got them on the field. And that's where I think the stink will be, you know, what did they know that, that kind of benefited them this year? You know, last year they didn't win it, so it doesn't matter. So what what benefited you this year? And I think that because it came out midseason, you know, whatever was happening against – you look at the three of the last four games, Ohio State, Texas, and Alabama. Um, I mean, those are two – I'm sorry, Ohio State, Alabama, and Washington. Those are big scouts. Okay, I mean, so, and I don't think there was any cheating going on. I think they were just a better team. They were the more physical team last night. Um, again, Michael Penix just—he missed some open throws. That I think really could have changed the game. The fourth down throw to Adunze. I mean, that was that was wide open. That was a touchdown yeah. if he makes it. And he's made that 99 times out of 100. A couple other ones they showed over the middle. But yeah, he had pressure, but he just seemed rattled last night. I wonder how much that's really going to cost him with all these quarterbacks coming out. Is that going to cost him anything, you know, when it comes to draft night? He'll still be a top five, top six, eight pick, I think. If you wonder how much that cost him. But, you know, long answer to your question is, for me, it's not going to hang. That cloud's not going to hang over it. I mean, it's just really not. Because whatever happened in the middle of the season, 
I think had ended by the time they got to these games, and, and they were just a better team over the last month of the season. Blake Corum is going to be my lasting memory. When I think of this team and I think of an individual player, and not Harbaugh, not Connor Stallions, mm-hmm. it's going to be Blake Corum, a guy that physically is diminished from what he once was. I mean, that guy has taken such a pounding. Finishes the year yeah. with 25 touchdowns, the one that basically sealed the game and put him up two scores in the fourth quarter. Blake Corum mm-hmm. kind of is the embodiment of Michigan. Not he wasn't and also ran in the recruiting world, but also was not, you know, a top Uber, top twenty five player nationally, anything like that. Right. Went in there, stuck around, did the work. When I think of this Michigan team and I think of Michigan, I think of great running backs, he's definitely gonna be at the top of that list. Yeah, I agree with you. He he kinda represents, you know, over the last two or three years, he's he's a just a prototypical Harbaugh player. And mm-hmm. Harbaugh wasn't a great player. He was a good player, not a great player. Right. And I think he just looks for guys like that. They're, listen, they're going to have their share of guys in the NFL, and Quorum will get a shot in the NFL. I think he's I think he can make an NFL roster. I don't think he's ever going to be an All Pro, uh, but he just kind of embodied that spirit. And you know, I don't know what's going to happen with him in the future with Harbaugh, but um, you know, if he wants to stay, he can stay. He's making ten million bucks a year. Um, you know, all this talk of the NFL moves and everything else. I mean. Is he going to take a pay cut to go to the NFL, as dumb as that sounds? Is anybody going to pay him $10, $12 million to coach an NFL team? Where the rules are different? I don't know. But, um, listen, for all the talk and everything else, the playoff and all the other crap swarming around it, on the field, they were the best team. And, and generally you prove that, okay, when you get into the, when you get into the playoff. Uh, the better team, more often than not, wins. And they had their scares along the way. I mean, they were, you know, they were a drive away from losing that game yep. in Columbus, and they were, uh, you know, McCarthy, you got to give him credit in the Rose Bowl. They're down seven with three and a half, four minutes left, and he takes them on a drive down the field, gets them into overtime, and they win it in overtime. That's how, that's how fine these margins are. Otherwise, there's another team in that game last night, and who knows what happens. But uh, they were the best team, and he's finally ascended that mountain, and we'll just see where it goes from here for them. But if he if he wants to stay, I think they're they're going to be in it for a while. I mean, there's just one of those teams. Even if they don't win the Big Ten, hard to see Michigan not finishing in the top twelve. Um, yeah. you know, very many years going forward. So, but it's going to be interesting. Bama out of time for today. We will be talking a little bit more in the coming weeks. Put a full cap on things when King gets back in studio next week. A fun season, Bama. Appreciate it as always. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Trent. Enjoyed it. And uh, anytime, and really grateful you have me on. Appreciate it a lot. That's Bama Bob. Follow him on Twitter at Bama Bob. Hour two coming up next. A lot of hoops to